Are you ready to be a better, more successful, and open-minded trader and investor? I'm Serge Berger, head trader and investment strategist at thestudytrader.com, and I want to help you get there. Whether you've been investing for years or are just getting your feet wet, this podcast will help you cut through the noise and get dialed in on the big picture. We will utilize research, guest interviews, and real-time analysis of the market. We're at a critical juncture in the market where knowledge really will mean power. According to a study by Vanguard, the average annual return for the stock market between 1926 and 2019 was 10.3%. Again, that's per year. Whereas the average return for day traders or just active traders was only about 3.5% per year. Hey everybody, I'm Serge Berger. I'm your host of the Study Wealth Podcast. And I just got back from a client event in uh, San Diego, California. Beautiful place. I don't know why the why not literally everyone in the world wants to live there. Just from a weather perspective, it's unbelievable. Sunny, not hot. <laughs> just a great place. Anyway, so what we do is we, we kind of go around the country and in fact... Uh, almost I dare say around the world and uh, with our study trader brand and we, we, we do these investor events. So we educate them about trading and investing different strategies. We uh, we're really hands-on. So we tend to have just a, just a wonderful group of people. And one of the main takeaways that we almost always have, and I literally, it's probably 10 out of 10 or like, you know, 30 out of 30 is um, that most individuals really are not allocating enough of their capital to investing and are trying to just basically hit home runs with their trading account, mistaking those two things, which ultimately, sadly, empirically, factually, literally for almost just about everyone who even tries this can lead to I mean, essentially, it's a financial disaster, longer term, not having enough money to, to retire, which is a massive problem for a lot of these people, driving them nuts, spending a lot of time in front of the computer looking at flickering ticks. Now, again, let me be very clear. I'm not saying don't trade at all. There's a place and a time and amount of money to, to trade with. But the vast majority of people, I mean, it's literally almost just about everyone dramatically underperforms even just the broader market. So if you go back to that study that I just mentioned, I'm going to quickly repeat it again. Investing has historically dramatically outperformed trading. And I want to be clear, I'm not trying to make a case against trading, but know that trading, and I'll go into much more detail around really why that is and what people do that leads to bad trading results. Know that trading will factually, according to many studies, dramatically underperform investing over time. So diversify between your trading and investing. So let me repeat this. According to a study by Vanguard, the average annual return for the stock market between 1926 and 2019 was 10.3% annually, right? That's literally buy it on January 1st, sell it on December 31st kind of deal. But the average return for Day traders, and this can be, you know, you can kind of put in swing traders, multi-day, multi-week stuff, was only 3.5%. One of the reasons for this difference in returns is that more proactive trading can lead to bad tax 
decisions or back tax results, and that can eat into profits over time. Also, for some people, it leads to higher fees, particularly people in the options world. Now, here in the United States, a trading commission on ETFs and, and equities has essentially been eliminated. But in other countries like Canada, that still is a thing, or in Europe as well. But let's forget that for a minute. I think everyone understands options trading has commissions, right? So that's another another thing. Going to back up for a minute and go and kind of unpack this a bit more. So at the end of the day, trading for the most part involves buying and selling an asset in the shorter term with the goal of making quick profits. Now, notice I say the word quick profits or the two words quick profits. And in that, and this was a something that I made, had to make very clear to a couple of people in that room in San Diego, quick profits, that from a psychological perspective, that is rooted ultimately in greed. And it doesn't mean you're a bad person if that's what you want to do. A lot of people will make quick profits, not at all, but it's a greedy endeavor. I'm going to say it again and I'll probably pepper it in 10, 15 more times here. I am not making a case against trading. Just know to allocate a lot less money to trading than to investing. And I'm also going to define here in a minute what investing means. So investing on the other hand, here we are, involves holding an asset for a longer term with the goal of growing wealth over time. Now, let me define that. For some people who are kind of newish to the market over the past 10, 12 years, which have been, by the way, the anomaly, like if I look at the markets for the past 12 years, you know, up, up until about a year and a half ago, go back 10, 12 years. That period of, of essentially almost deflation, interest rates unbelievably low, right? Unbelievably accommodative global central banks or most of the, certainly the big ones. There's only really a couple of them that matter from that perspective. Has led to basically all risk assets just rising with the tide every week, month, and year. I mean, obviously I'm exaggerating, but over time. I mean, for example, and I quote this often, the S&P 500 from, I think, about 2010 to 2021 averaged somewhere close to 15% per year. On an, in a normal year, and normal is going back 90 years of data, the S&P makes closer to 9%. That's, you know, total return, including dividend payments and so on and so forth, right? So investing for a lot of people that are new in the market is like, oh, that means I have to buy GE or some boring stock you know, like my dad or my grandpa did and I, and I hold it for 40 years. That is absolutely not what I mean. Although there's a case to be made, for that to be made as well. Look at Warren Buffett and I promised myself not to quote Warren Buffett because that's a bit cliche, but there's a point to it, right? Now, you have to buy the right stock and that is another whole other point that I want to quickly discuss in a minute. But in, essentially, trading can be riskier than investing because it often involves trying to predict a short-term market which can be and empirically is unpredictable and volatile. I'm going to say it again. I'm not making a case against trading at all. I'm saying know that trading has a lower probability of making you financially secure ultimately for your retirement or during your retirement, right? And, and that is something that has to be understood as early as possible. If that is something that someone doesn't understand until they're 75, it's quite frankly too late. But you know, the earlier you notice it, maybe you're 24 years old, 30, 40, 50, 55, even at 60, the earlier we recognize that fact that trading is another form of entertainment and greed 
and that we need to primarily invest. We have a three-bucket approach, I'll tell you in a minute, the quicker we set ourselves up for success in the long term. The way we look at it, and this is one of the great things that we discuss in these, we call them the Steady Trader Summits. Again, we just did one in San Diego. We did one a few months ago in Orlando. We're kind of going around certainly in the country at that, coming up, one coming up in Chicago. The way we look at things, there's essentially three buckets. So we talk about buckets in terms of time frame. So bucket number three is our investing bucket. 80% of our money ideally is, is there. It lives in that bucket. We buy something, ideally diversify portfolio, right? When, when I say diversify portfolio, it does not mean it's made of 80% tech stocks in the same sector, right? That are all interest rate sensitive to higher rates, higher inflation. I'm talking about diversification across equity world, across the fixed income world, maybe commodities. That historically has made the most sense, has been had the most performance, the best performance for most Americans and for most Europeans. I can't speak for, for other continents. I, I know them much less well, but those are the two continents I spent most the entirety of my life back and forth on. So we call bucket three the investing bucket. It's the serious bucket. It's where you actually are going to find, if it's done well, the proper asset allocation over time, a really high probability of being financially secure in the long term. And a lot of people that are younger that can't even think that far. That's understandable, right? I can't think until you know out the year 65. I just turning, you know, I'm in my mid-40s now. That's 20 years away. I get it. And imagine if someone's 35, 25, it's literally lifetimes away to them until it's not. Maybe you're 55 and it's much more realistic. I get it. And I see it every day when I talk to clients and prospects. So the investing bucket is bucket three. The majority of our money really should be in there. Bucket number two is our, we call this position trading or swing trading bucket. It means we take a punt on something we think could maybe go up or down over the next number of days, maybe two, three, four weeks. Bucket number two is our fun bucket. We allocate a little bit of money there. Maybe it's 10, 15%, maybe even a touch more within that vicinity. But we don't really have any realistic probabilities of making that the, the bucket where we grow massive amounts of money from. Ironically, and really sadly, even when we come to these events that we have at these summits and we survey people all the time, we hear this. So many people, even if they have a three-bucket system, so many people put all of their focus, almost exclusively all their focus, all their hopes and dreams and their time on bucket number two. And are one of two things, or, or both things a lot of times, unfortunately, way too allocated to that bucket. So they have like 70% of their money in that, spend all their time in it, see no results, and are really, really, really going to risk their financial future with it. Even for those people that actually are properly allocated, meaning you have 80% of their money, roughly in long-term investments, maybe it's 70, right? Numbers, not, not, not that much, massive difference, but enough. Even if they are mostly in long-term investments and they spend, they only have 20, 30%, uh, quote unquote, in their trade, in their fund bucket, bucket number two. They spend so much darn time on bucket number two that they are overthinking things by far, basically wasting time and because of that are losing money. That's bucket three and two. How about bucket number one? Bucket number one is what I call the drunk bucket. The drunk bucket is basically day trading. And again, I, I, I know this sounds a bit derogatory. I'm not 
trying to really talk down day trading, nor am I going to say don't do any of it. I'm simply saying the odds are so low of us really making day trading something that's going to make a huge difference in our financial life. And I'm talking about for 99% of us. There's always the 1% or 2% out there, right? There's always the Michael Jordans out there that are able to make that happen. But let me say a couple things about that. Number one, how many Michael Jordans were there? One. How many LeBron James are there? One. They're two generations apart in terms of basketball careers, right? So if you really want to take that really low probability of trying to become Michael Jordan, I can't hold anyone from, keep anyone from doing it. I'm telling you, it's probabilistically not really a realistic goal. The other thing is the people who are great day traders, and you can probably count them off on, on one hand, like if we can find them, we could count them off in one hand. They spend all damn day looking at the flickering ticks, which they do until about they're about 35. If they survive that long, most people blow up in a few months. Their eyes go bad physically, mentally, all sorts of problems. And they've learned nothing about the long-term stuff. They've learned nothing about the economy, nothing but cycles. They've just looked at flickering ticks. I do day trades. I do them, but I have no expectations. They're, they're generally profitable over time. But the risk I'm taking, the amount of money I'm spending looking at the flickering ticks is simply not worth to put my financial future on the line for. So trading can be riskier than investing as it often involves trying to predict shorter term market movements, which can be unpredictable and volatile. Trading also requires more active management than investing because traders need to constantly monitor the market and adjust their positions accordingly. Now, there's a bit of an irony in what I just said because I talked about management. Most traders, people at home, do-it-yourselfers, are not managing anything. They're simply getting into position and go YOLO on it, right? You only live once and you let it rip. Risk management is something that really makes returns. And inherently, what I just said, by being diversified in a portfolio that needs to be adjusted every once in a while, and hope, hopefully you have an investment advisor. If you don't, shameless plug, www.bluemarlinadvisor.com. Get on the phone with us. We'll be gladly talking to you about becoming your investment advisor. Diversification and small adjustments make all that happen. Risk management. But most people that trade literally take a couple positions and let them rip. They have no idea how risky those things are. So investing can be much more passive. It can be a more passive approach to growing wealth. Because investors can buy and hold assets over a longer period without needing to make frequent trades. Now, some people say, well, Serge, but I don't want to hold anything. I don't, I don't even want to hold a position overnight. It makes me nervous. There's so much risk. <laughs> and I've heard that a lot over the past 10 years, until I haven't. So many more people are finally realizing that it's a risky thing to do. Not, it's less risky in some market environments than in other market environments. When rates are near zero, we have something called MMT, modern monetary theory being played by the central banks which means you can have ultra low rates and no inflation threat, which of course turned to be completely wrong, in those exceptional periods, which come across every 40, 50 years, maybe that can work and it's easy to trade. But when reality comes back, it becomes much harder to be a trader. So this is really important. I truly don't want anyone, listeners here, anyone, to have a situation where their retirement is at risk and I know, I realize if you're 25 years old and listening to this podcast, and I hope there are some of you, because you'd be really forward thinking, realistically, it's more likely more to be between 40 and 65, 70 for listening to this. In which case, it's even more important that you understand this, right? So one 
one reason why there's such a huge difference in returns between investors and traders is because trading involves paying higher fees and taxes than investing, right? Again, that's not true for stock traders in the United States anymore, because, but for option trading. And a lot of self-directed traders are option trading. Another reason why trading involves making emo- um is that trading, another reason for the underperformance, let me back up, is that trading involves making emotional decisions based on short-term market movements, whereas investing allows investors to take a more rational, long-term approach of building with. Again, let me be clear. Investing does not mean you buy a stock on day one, some something boring like a utility stock, and you never touch it again for 30, 40 years. That is not what I mean. I'm talking about having a diversified portfolio that I get to get adjusted through the economic cycle, get an investment advisor. If they're any good, they can do that for you. If you're not, if they're not good, uh, if they don't know, don't go with them. www.bluemarlinadvisor.com. We'll, we'll happy to talk to you. So for for these reasons I just mentioned here, it's generally recommended by the general investing industry that people allocate more of their capital to investing rather than the trading by taking longer term diversify approaches to investing. And by doing so, individuals can potentially grow their wealth over time and achieve their financial goals. There are so many people that I have seen are having horrible results trying to put everything on the line with trading. It leads to financial ruin. I've seen, unfortunately, families break up over it, divorces. It's really not fun. So yes, trade. I'm not keeping anyone from trading, but understand that the probabilities of making money trading are so much lower than by investing properly. Again, get a financial advisor, an investment advisor. If you don't have one, www.bluemarlinadvisor.com. Now, if you are still thinking, yes, I do want to trade, and I do, I would encourage everyone to trade, by the way, right? And do it with less money. We have a wonderful process that is helping so many people become better traders. If you go to www.thestedytrader.com, we have a process, we have tools, we have trade alerts, but we do it within a long-term capital rotation approach, meaning an economic cycle approach. We look at it through the lens of where are the odds in our favor. Right now, for example, stocks are not not an asset asset allocation to be allocated to overly. We want to be underweight growth stocks right now, despite the the short-term durations. There have been some great moves in stocks over the past number of months. But broadly speaking, where we are on the global economic cycle does not favor us being long stocks. When the bear market resumes, it happens so quickly that anyone's chart changes can lose a lot of money, right? So let me just put this, this all, all of this in, in just a couple of other terms as well. Now, investing offers a higher probability of long-term gains compared to trading, which tends to be more short-term focused. Investing involves less risk than trading since investments are usually held for longer periods. Trading, however, involves taking more frequent risks and usually people dramatically outsize those bets. Investors can benefit from compounding returns, while traders typically do not compound returns, almost a 0% chance. I made a whole separate podcast on compounding returns, how compound interest, compounding returns is literally the eighth wonder of the world, the power of compound interest. On April 17th, we posted that one. So if you go to the studytrader.com and you click on podcasts, you can watch that or listen to that podcast. And I think it's, it's a, it really is an important, we got so much great feedback the power of compounding interest. Traders do not compound interest. The vast majority, like 99.9 of them do not compound, compound returns, right? 
So long-term investing offers the potential for greater wealth accumulation. Trading can be expensive. Overtrading can lead to emotional decision-making and negatively impact investment returns. And investing in a diversified portfolio can help mitigate risks and provide stability. But trading tends to be much more speculative. Really, and I don't like to make this comparison, but trading for many people, the way they approach it, and a lot of it is the wrong approach and too much capital. For a lot of people, it's a gamble. They truly approach it like gambling. I was just in Las Vegas for the past couple of days on my way back from San Francisco, went to a conference and met some clients. And I can tell you, when I look at those poor souls sitting at those gambling tables, it is no different to the people that are over trading in the market, hopes and dreams of fast cars and you know paying a house down or just buying a home with quick profits. It's rooted in greed, in unrealistic expectations and in horrible marketing on the part of a lot of investment newsletters. So I would encourage you to consider your own financial goals and risk tolerance when deciding how to allocate capital, right? So I can't give you investment and financial advice here in this podcast. We can do that over at, the, at bluemarlinadvisor.com. So again, it's www.bluemarlinadvisor.com. But I can tell you, if you spend more time investing than trading, empirically, the results for the long-term, for your investing for the for the financial security of you and your family investing is important in compounding those returns again i'm not saying do not trade at all there is a time and a place to trade i trade i trade almost every day i have a trade on but i do it with very little capital compared to my to my uh, investing capital okay so this has been helpful i know we've been doing a great push on this for a long period of time now to really get people to think as investors and trade with their fun buckets or even the drunk bucket, the day trading bucket with much less capital. Understand what the probabilities are and proceed as such. Thanks so much for listening and we'll see you in the next Steady Wealth Podcast.